Hey everybody, before we go into today's podcast, I have some exciting news. Uh, VaynerMedia and VaynerX, which holds purewow.com, 1.37 p.m., the Sasha Group, um, on and on and on, is hiring pretty aggressively for a creator role. That is a copywriter. That means you have good ideas. You can come up with ideas, and then you can also have the English skills to write the copy on the Facebook or Twitter or YouTube post. Uh, Team Gary's hiring. VaynerMedia's hiring. We're just hiring. And so uh, please go to GaryVee.com slash creator. That's GaryVee.com slash creator. Uh, let me see if I can spell here. C-R-E-A-T-O-R. Please go uh, check that out. I, I assume that there's a, a form there that helps you show a little bit of your work and kind of get us on third base. I'm starting to contemplate uh, maybe even some remote work as well. So uh, please uh, please go fill out a form if you're interested in joining the Vayner family. We are looking for designers like crazy, like designers like crazy, meaning you can design for TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Uh, we're looking for animators. If you're good at that cartoon shit, we're looking for you. Uh, we are definitely, definitely looking for people that obsess over the idea of taking a keynote of mine or a long form commercial and creating 72 video assets out of it. Uh, the kind of stuff you see consistently from us on uh, Instagram. So if you've got hunger, uh, humility, uh, and want to enter one of the best marketing machines of all time, please go to GaryBE.com slash creator, uh, designers and and writers. I'm also looking for a writer or two. Well, I'm at it. I don't know if that's there, but I'm definitely looking for somebody to join to my team to help Raghav write LinkedIn articles and blog posts. So if you're really into the idea of like watching unlimited Gary content and turning it into written articles, I think it's a cool job. Uh, and it's definitely been a launching pad for interesting careers inside our world. So anyway, great time at Vayner for uh, entry level creators. That is really what we're looking for. Class of 2020. So many of you, let's call it what it is, got fucked. Job offers pulled, internships pulled, um, entry-level creator life at VaynerMedia. Hit us up, garyv.com slash creator. My longest pre-roll ever because it's that important. All right, and now today's podcast. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. What's up, podcast? Seth here from Team Gary. Today's podcast is a throwback to a keynote from South by Southwest 2014, where Gary talks about the best way to get the absolute most out of events like South by Southwest by networking. To make important one-on-one -on -one connections than Mr. Gary V, who is somewhere welcoming people into the room now. Let's give a big, big, big South by Southwest hand to Jib Jab Gary V. There you are. Hey, how are you? Thank you. Hello. Um, so I mainly want to go into Q&A, uh, which I will. Uh, Hugh, your Q&A just now was riveting. I enjoyed it backstage. I plan on doing the same thing. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to throw up my hashtag, but I think it's AskGaryV, V-E-E. -E. I uh, want to welcome everybody to South By. I remember seven years ago when I came to my first one, I went to this session. You know, when you're a noob or, or the first time, you know, you kind of want to figure out what, what to do. I remember being enthralled with the people that were on stage. I was paying attention very quickly. 
Um, and it, it was a very good time, it was an exciting time. I hope everybody has a great, great weekend. Let me get into the things that I think matter. Um, and then I wanna go into questions and I'm thrilled to answer any you know, South By questions that I feel I can answer, but I know a lot of people have been watching the Twitter stream are here and have context on me and my career overall, so any questions I can answer about anything from social to selling wine, what the Jets are gonna do in the off season, I'm thrilled to answer all those questions. When I think about South By, I, I think about it in the same way I actually think about everything else in the world, which is, there's a couple core things that everybody needs to do here, I think, to maximize their experience. The truth is, and let's call it what it is, the reason most people don't get the most out of South By when they come is because the far majority of people in this conference room right now, and the far majority of people in this building, and the far majority of people that have come and visited Austin are fucking takers, right? And let's put that into context. The amount of people here that will spend 98% of their time saying, hey, check out my app, right? You've gotta check out my business, or hey, you know, you've gotta really come to my party, or hey, go do this, or do this for me, do this for me, give me this, give me your fucking money for my piece of shit startup, come to my party, that's gonna suck shit. You know, all the people are asking, and it's really maps just to what happens in the way we actually live, and the people that actually break out are the ones that flip it. I would ask you, if you wanna have success, or you wanna rock out fucking South By, let me give you one basic thought, that if you can take the time for four simple, two simple days, and for once in your professional career, have the patience to actually provide value up front, and let the cards fall where they will afterwards, I promise you, the lifetime value or the long-term value of this event will be dramatically greater. See, was one person clapping for that? I just, I heard it over here. It was that dude, right? We need to hug it the fuck out after this talk. Actually, come up right now. Let's fucking provide value right the fuck now. Get up here, dude. Hurry up, dick. So let's think about what's happening right now in real fucking time, right? I give my opening rant, right? right? You decide to clap, which brought me value because it was positive reinforcement that I'm looking for as a public speaker, right? I then counter you doing a good thing for me to bring you up here, and now I'm gonna give you 30 seconds to say hello and tell the world what you're about. Let's see how you do, Kylie. <laughs> nice to meet you, brother. Nice to meet you, thank you. Um, my name is Kylie Dorton. I'm a beatboxer from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, <laughs> this is getting better by the fucking second. Do you see what I'm talking about, assholes? Give and good shit happens. Fucking beatboxer. I thought you were going to say you are a fucking UI designer or something. And I'm a UI designer. And, uh, <laughs> Um, no, really, I uh, build startups in Atlanta. Are you a UI designer? Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know you're beatboxing, right? Okay. Will you freestyle? <laughs> yes? Okay. And Kylie's parents had a real good marriage. Yes, thank you. What, 
Now, now, we're gonna show people how South By works. Now we're all gonna collectively take out our smartphones, which we already have. Do you have a Twitter handle? Yeah. All right, now, Twitter sucks shit in explaining how their product works, so do not start your tweet with Kylie's Twitter handle. Say, hey, at... Kylie O, that's Kylie Zero. So K-I-L-E-Y, the number zero. So now I'm gonna pause for 41 seconds while everybody takes out their smart devices and says, hey, at K-I-L-E-Y, the number zero. You could say he has mad you know, beatbox skills. You could say his beard is fucking epic. You could say he's kind of cute. You could say whatever the fuck you want, but let's give this man some love and let's clap it up for him. Listen, there's gonna be the cool parties to go to. Make sure you follow me on Twitter for my secret wine party. I'm thinking about doing it tonight, so definitely come to that. There's gonna be the great keynotes. There's gonna be the things you wanna get to. But at the end of the day, the reason I continue to come back to this event while all my douchebag Silicon Valley friends go, oh, it's fucking sold out, it's too busy for my fucking dick. Fuck you. Here's why it's good. And here's why I come back. The truth is, there could be nine million people that come to this event. You, as a human being, have the ability to make this a very big event or a very small event. You have the ability, the reason I come back is because so many of my friends who I think are the smartest people in this space and I will get together tonight at one o'clock in the morning in one of the hotel rooms and we'll do what we call a jam session where for two to four hours we'll literally debate is Secret gonna make money? What about Bitcoin? Da 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 All the topics that I'm passionate about, being in business, living in this world, about my subject matter. So, I come to South By to have lots of people. Hugh says it's not about one to many. For me it is. Right now this is about one to many, right? It's about one to many. It's also gonna be one to one. When I was standing out there on the way here, I met a nice young gentleman from Kansas City. He's got a fat ass Chiefs hat, I see it right now. And I got to spend my two minutes with him, know that he's run a digital agency for eight years, and I got to have my one-to-one -one moment. Me and fucking Kylie, we're fucking family by now, right? I got to have that moment. So, I'm just really fucking tired of everybody saying, oh, this is too crowded, or this is too long of a line, or it's sold out, or there's too many people, or that, you are 100 fucking percent in charge of your life. Stop fucking bitching. That's how I found value at South By. I'll tell you a story. My first year here, I came, 2008. I was excited. I wanted to meet all the people, Tim Ferriss and Kevin Rose. I was in it. I knew it. I didn't, you know, I had the wine show. I was surprised how many people knew my wine show because I didn't think it bled into tech yet. I, was, I met, ran into Jason Fried, you know, and he said, oh, I love your wine show. I was like, holy shit, Jason Fried from fucking 37 Signals. No, I was getting excited. And it was the first night. I was getting pumped. There's parties. I'm like, oh shit, nerd parties, cool. So. There was a party, it was called the 16-bit party, right? It was put on by like Dig and a couple of other people and I was super pumped. I ran over to where it was, took one of these pedicabs because I'm lazy and I don't like to walk. I got there and there's a fucking line and it's long. And I'm like, shit, this line is long and we're waiting and we're waiting and then I finally got frustrated and I recalled that you know, eating my own dog food about providing value up front, I did that. Before I came to South By in 2008, I shipped down 10 cases of wine from the wine library because I was in a wine business at the time and that's what I was doing. And I brought it mainly to share with people. You know, I figured I'm gonna learn about tech, I might as well educate these UI designers on how to drink some fucking Pinot Noir. So 
I shipped the wine down and I didn't know what I was really gonna do with it. Sure enough, I'm sitting in line, everybody's getting frustrated. It was the first year South by was probably, took a big jump in like growth of people coming. People were frustrated by line. So Twitter was only about a year old. I was doing pretty well on it. I'm like, told my friends and a couple other people, let's leave this line, let's go back to the hotel. I've got wine, right? Like free liquor, everybody gets fucking pumped, right? So we leave. I tweet out with my 2,000 fans at the time, like, hey, I'm at the lobby of the Marriott Hotel, and all these people started showing up. And really, very honestly, for a lot of you that are curious, that wine party, now called the Secret Wine Party, in 2008, early 2008, in a lot of ways, was my breakout moment in the tech space. It was the time when I got to meet a far majority of people. A lot of people talked about it. But when you think about the seed in which it came from, I was obsessed with the notion of paying forward first. I will promise you, whether it's South By, whether it's the growth of your business, whether it's the way you live your life as a human being, if every person in this room could actually figure out how it actually works, which is the leverage of providing value first always puts you in the right position for what you're personally trying to achieve, you have a much bigger upside. This is the event. My friend Andrew Hyde wore a t-shirt in 2009. It said, don't pitch me, bro. This is the event where every single person comes with an objective to close. And the way to actually break out is to reverse it. You know, to me, this is an event where a lot of introverts come that need to figure out how to become extroverted because it becomes an op, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's easy to say like, hey, say hello to random strangers, right? It's easy to stand on stage for me and Hugh and say hello and do that, but in real life, a lot of people are uncomfortable with it. You know, I don't know what works for you. You know, use Tinder. I don't give a fuck what you do. There'll be a lot of use Tinder. (laughs) By the way, that's my third point. Use Tinder, that's my third. That's my third, you know, bullet <laughs> win at South by. Um, you know, it's very basic. I, I think this is a great weekend. I hope everybody enjoys it. I think that you need to provide value. I would stress patience. If you could be the second person telling the person what you do and what you want to happen, you've already won. Um, I do think that serendipity matters. I'll go a little bit left field on you though. I actually use South by as a 25% farming or retention play instead of hunting and acquiring. When somebody says to you, meet new people, say hello to the person, you know the dumb shit that people do at conferences, like say hello to the person to the left and right of you that you're fucking sitting with. I actually think it's a good idea right now, but you know, but I don't wanna say it that way, so I'll I'll think of a creative way to say it. Um, That's fine and dandy, and I would call that hunting, acquiring new people, creating that serendipity. Do not underestimate what South By brings to the table at scale of actually connecting with old friends. I promise you that, at least for me, one of the top value propositions that I get from South By is when I live in, you know, I live in New York. When I'm in New York, I'm fucking working my face off and I'm spending time with my family. It blows my head off that I spend more time with my friends in New York at South By than I do in New York, right? So, One thing I would tell you is to kind of go through probably your contacts on your phone and think about people that maybe you don't see as much as you'd like back home. They're probably here as well. I would allocate at least a good 20% of your time trying to, what I call farm, reinvest in the relationships that you already have instead of trying to find new ones with everybody. So that's one that I don't think a lot of people talk about that I would highly recommend uh, thinking about. Look, 
you know, I really am, most of you, a lot of you have a feel for me. I'm not super interested in telling you how to handle your business over the next four days. I'd much rather provide you guys value while I've got you here. In, in doing what I most believe in, I don't get to spend as much time with a lot of you individually or even a, in a collective group. So can, if you guys can throw up the Ask uh, Gary V hashtag, and if you guys can bring up who's ever asking me these questions that's coming up here, I'd like you all to start asking me questions. I'd like to provide value. I have no idea yet. I'm excited. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. You coming? What's up, man? What's your name? I'm Sean. Sean. Are you on, Sean? I think so. I don't think you're on. Can we put Sean's fucking mic on? Sean? 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 Gary. <laughs> okay, so he just reminded you, but please tweet your questions to AskGaryVEE, and uh, we'll filter through them with the help of our friends at Mass Relevance. And so the first question comes from Brian Williams, and he asks, can we ask the signer to teach us how to say fuck in sign language? It'll be a gift that keeps on giving. Signer? Interpreter, I appreciate it. Can you show the crowd how we interpret the word fuck, F-U-C-K. And is that what you do, do you spell it out? Fuck is not sign language. Fuck, fuck is not sign language. It's a gesture, just letting you know. Thank you so much. There you go, Brian. All right, our next question is from Lisa Rutel, and she asks, in your opinion, what brands are doing digital well? Would love it if you name your top three picks. So this is always a tough question. For the people that don't know, uh, currently I'm running a 300-person digital social agency called VaynerMedia. So we, thank you. Uh, so we have, um, we have 80 brands that we're working with. Um, for some of you here, oh, I think I'm doing a book signing right after this. It's a good time to plug it. I'll be doing a book signing right after this. So if you have your book or I think they have books, I'd love to see you. Um, so the book that's there and the book that I'm just referenced, the reason I just brought it up is I just wrote a book called Jab, 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 Right Hook, which looked at the pieces of content that all the brands are putting out there and who's doing it best. You know, the truth is, what's the name of the person asked? Do you remember? Lisa? Was it? Lisa. Um, Lisa, the problem for me is I spend, so this is a good, good opportunity for me to talk to you philosophically of how I think about my business. The re, one of the reasons I think I've had success in business in all my chapters of my career is I stay on the offense. And this is something I'm completely fascinated by. And so I wanna give this answer because I think it's gonna help a lot of people in the room no matter what you do. I'm almost incapable of playing defense when it comes to business. Playing defense based on this question would be me spending time looking at what brands are doing on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, Instagram, Vine that aren't my own or mine, right? Because I'd wanna see what other people are doing. There's a lot of reason to do that. I respect why one wants to do that. I have zero interest in that. I spend absolutely all my time looking at what I think human beings are doing and trying to figure out how to bring them value no matter what the brand does or what. It's all the same game. At the end of the day, 
We all know that we're getting bombarded with brands, businesses, opportunities. It's the whole South by thing in a nutshell, isn't it? The, the real answer is how do you provide value? I don't need to see how Puma or Nissan are doing it for me to figure out how to do it best or how to do it. And so the truth is I, I stay on offense. I'd much rather test, rinse and repeat, try to learn authentically and organically with the community that has opted in to hear from me than thinking that there's any psychological connection between a sneaker brand and the cereal brand that I'm working on right now. So for me, that is a very tough question that I hate when it gets asked because there's two ways for me to go. One, I can answer it not authentically and just headline read and pick a Taco Bell because I've seen people say they do it well. The truth is I haven't done the work to answer it the reason I don't like the question is it sounds douchey by not giving an answer, so I'm kind of fucking stuck on this tough fucking first question. <laughs> All right, next question is from Jim Foreman. He asks, can you give your sign language interpreter a pat on the back? I can't believe how well she's keeping up with you. A pat on the back? She's, she's killing it. Absolutely. Oh, no, wait, there's another person now. She went that way. <laughs> Let's give, uh, uh, for the interpreter, a round of applause, please. And a preemptive one over here. More, that was lame, do it again. Awesome, let's go. Steven and Contrera asked, will Google Plus ever be necessary? So this is a conversation I'm completely, I, I am, I, so I have been saving tweets and opt-in pieces from my smartest friends who say that Google Glass is a terrible technology and this is dumb shit and it makes you look like a glass hole and it's stupid and only nerds will do it. I am utterly stunned by the lack of chess moves and seeing where, guys, I have bad news. We're all gonna become fucking robots. And a lot of people are sitting here and saying no. It's the same people that said they're not gonna go on Twitter seven years ago or ever have a Facebook account or ever download Snapchat, you fucking liars, right? <laughs> so where I try to make all my money and why I think I will be able to buy the New York Jets one day is I spend all my time thinking about what you think you're not gonna do that I know you're going to do. Now whether Google wins the game of glass or Apple, or Nike, or fucking Schmickamagoo, who's gonna be started by two of you in here, I have no idea. But if you are confused at the notion that technology will be weaving into our fucking bodies, you do not see what's happening. You, how many people here, by show of hands, and don't fucking lie, lying is the devil. How many people here by show of hands, and again, I do not want your head nod, I'm not interested in your half-assed fluttery hand. Full hands, how many people here in every 24 hour cycle are always within arm's reach of their cell phone. Raise it. Yeah, bro. Guys, it's happening already. It's happening already. The glasses are just the next step in the equation. And whether it's glass, and listen, if glass doesn't necessarily win, whether it's gonna be something else, earpiece with a little screen here, I mean, how many people here are willing to admit that they would consider the notion of surgically putting their phone into their arm or hand? Raise it. No, raise it. I want you to raise it and don't lie to me. Raise it. Actually, do me a favor, this is important to me. I'm gonna ask this, don't lie, because it fucks up the whole thing. How many people here 
are willing to admit that they're willing to put surgically try but to input their cell phone into their arm. If you're one of those people, please stand up. Please do that. I just want to see the numbers at this point. I would highly argue, thank you guys, I would, let's clap it up for these freaks. I would, I would highly argue that that number would be smaller 24 months ago and that number is gonna be dramatically greater in 24 months. And so I'm stunned by people's pushback on glass when these are the people that pushed for mobile phones when they, basically that same person 10 years earlier said phones were stupid and we didn't need them. It's the same old game. Uh, you know, I think this is a foregone conclusion. We're, the robots are coming. Next. Mark Shefferman says, very interesting to see you wearing an Airbnb top. They are going to revolutionize the hotel industry. Your thoughts. Mark, I wear this hoodie to remind me that I was a douche and missed on investing in this phenomenal company. Uh, so I wear this out of anger, not happiness. Uh, I don't think they're gonna revolutionize the hotel industry. I think they're going to ruin the hotel industry as we know it. Uh, I'm completely fascinated by marketplace dynamics. I was lucky enough to not make the same mistake and invest in Uber. Some of you might know that I just launched a uh, new $25 million fund called Vayner RSC. Much of the focus will be in marketplace. Um, I, I totally agree, Mark. I, I think they're an incredible company run by really great people gonna be really interesting to watch them evolve over the next, next half decade. I would tell you for all the entrepreneurs, how many people here by show of hands consider themselves entrepreneurs? Just curious, amazing. So for, the, for more than half of you in this room, I would spend a lot of time thinking every night, no matter what you do for a living, of where is there inefficiency in our society and where will technology solve that problem? Because I am blown away by people's lack of understanding that Uber and Airbnb and things like storefront, they're just the beginning. I mean, we are, there is going to be a lot of stuff coming in this space of creating efficiency, and you're seeing it with like doctors and laundry cleanup services, and there's, just, there's a lot coming. Guys, every person in this room values the following things in this order, I hope. Family and health, money, and the one that most people don't talk about, time. Time is what we all give a shit. How many people here Remember the last time their internet in their office or home that they've got accustomed to was a hundredth of a second slower than it normally is. You remember how fucking pissed you were? Time. People use Uber, they're buying time, not the service. And so we value time tremendously uh, and convenience and all these other things and so um, keep an eye on that. Alexander Tange? Asks, how do you meet relevant people at South by Southwest? You know, Alexander, I think the first opening move is to get out of the mentality of douchery that justifies and categorizes people that, did he say relevant? I believe so. Did he, did he? I, I wanna make sure I'm using the right word. It was relevant. Al Alex, honestly, that, I don't know, like, if I could execute what was happening in my stomach right now, when I hear people categorize other human beings as relevant, it makes me wanna vomit on myself. Um, but I don't think you're a bad guy, Alexander. I, 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 think, I think you're asking a, a proper question. I would say, first of all, relevancy is massively subjective, right? Like there's people that have a lot of followers that have influence, that are VCs, that are whatever you're looking for. I would tell you, I promise you that if, it, 
again, I think you're seeing a theme in my talk, guys. I'm a very big fan of the second chess move in life. If you're just trying to get to this person, everybody's trying to get to this relevant fucking person. And so what happens is it becomes a supply and demand issue where you're getting pounded on, you're not breaking through because they're defending against the supply. But when, Alex, when you open yourself up to meeting somebody who might not be a relevant person by your definition, there are a shitload of people running around at South by Southwest that if you have a drink with and say hello are the exact person that's the gateway to 30 minutes of my time at South by Southwest. But on paper with their 306 Twitter followers, it's not gonna seem so obvious. I promise when you stop strategizing people's fucking clout and you start acting like a human being, you will win. Give me some for that one. You liked it, right? Give me a little something. <laughs> Kylie Dorton, your energy, though, <laughs> how do you sustain it? <laughs> no, no. Where's your, your work energy, stamina? though. <laughs> Go ahead. How do you sustain it? Where's your, where does your work stamina come from? Is that Kylie? Kylie, you're such a dick. You yes. already had your fucking five minutes of fame. <laughs> Guys, let's collectively boo Kylie now. Boo. You fucking six second, you're like a vine, you're like a six second. You got your five seconds, all right. I'll answer it, it's a good question. Um, you know, it's a, the reason I wanna answer it is because I think it's gonna come from a, a good direction that I want people to cap, I think I want people to actually jump on this bandwagon. My energy, all of it, all of it, comes from one place, gratitude. I am so grateful for the fact that I was born in Belarus in the former Soviet Union, which is the least capitalistic place, and had the serendipity of luck to be able to immigrate out of that country when I was three years old and come to this remarkable country for entrepreneurship. You know, I hate when people hate on this country. I wish my dad was here right now. When people hate on this country, my dad's Russian accent hits like 11 on the Richter scale. He's like, these fucking stupid Americans don't understand. And it's because there's just so much good. Sure there's bad, there's tons of bad. There's tons of bad in everything. But it's all about weighing the options. And so I'm driven by gratitude that I was lucky enough to come to this country and where you know, being an entrepreneur is a, a celebrated thing. My kind of personality is a celebrated thing. I'm, I'm grateful because of the health and well-being of my family. Unfortunately for me, I lost three of my four grandparents before I knew them. So I've had a long run of living a life without a lot of that ultimate pain. Um, I'm grateful for the fact that my mother and father, though very different, are an incredible pair of parents that really, you know, reverse engineered who I was about. You know, I'm an immigrant, and the way immigrants get out of their situation, which was we were poor, is through education, at least on paper. And the fact that I was a DNF student, and my mom, and then later my dad, let me be the entrepreneur that I was, let me sell $3,000 worth of baseball cards a weekend, even though I was getting Fs, enabled me to become who I was, and so I'm thankful for that they were big thinking and didn't get caught up in the conversation of all their contemporaries. So, I'm driven by gratitude. I'm just so thankful. I'm, do, you know how, do you know how grateful I am, thank you, do you know how grateful I am that this many people wanna come and hear what the hell I have to say? It's an incredibly ridiculous feeling. I was grateful when I had nine Twitter followers, let alone a million. Like, nine fucking people wanna hear your two cents. I'm just very, 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 very grateful. 
I will never take it for granted. I understand the perspective of it all. And I hate watching so many people look at half glass full when their glass is four-fifths full. I'm grateful when I have one drop in the glass because I'm like, I know what to do with that fucking drop. Thank you. Matthew says you mentioned on, help me pronounce that, James James Altucher Altucher Show, that you work 24 hours a day, Monday through Friday, and unplug on the weekends. How do you manage to unplug? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I managed to unplug only because of perspective. Uh, About a year and a half ago, I was coming home, and I got excited because Lizzie and I, my wife, planned a trip to Turks and Caicos for four days. And I was so pumped. I couldn't wait to go with her, and I was so happy. And then I got really sad because I realized it was so tough. Why was I happy? I was happy because we had two young kids, and it's tough to get away with you know, just the two of us for four days and spend some quality time together. And I got really sad, Matt, because I realized, holy shit, those last, seven, you know, those last five, six years before we had kids, when I was building Wine Library and Wine Library TV, and I went 24-7 Monday through Monday, and I just kind of sat in the cab. It was a very short ride, and I was like, you know, I fucking blew it. Like, I could have went on two more one-week vacations with the woman that I loved, and that would have been 10 amazing trips of great memories and time together that there's nothing I can do to get that back. And so, you know... I don't think I'm super smart or really know any more than anybody or I'm so goddamn great. What I think I do well is I adjust. I'm a good half-time adjustments. I'm I'm always auditing my life, myself, my businesses, the marketplace, the opportunities. And so I took that moment to say, I'm not gonna wake up in seven years and be like, my kids are seven now and they're always at soccer games every weekend and this and that. And so I unplugged very easily once I made the mental decision. I always tell my brands, my startups, guys, this isn't tactical. This is a mentality. You have to decide that you give a fuck about your customer, not say it with some bullshit mission statement on your about section, right? So I would say things, but I wasn't executing against it. I wasn't all the way there. I was still not there. At that moment, I made that decision, which then made not checking my email or engaging with you guys on the weekends super simple because I knew what my mission statement was. I knew what I cared about here and here. And when these two things connect, game over. So it's been super simple. But I needed to remember that I was a workaholic, an entrepreneur, I'm ambitious as fuck, so I created a system that worked for me right now, and it will change, but right now in my life, going all in Monday through Friday, which is 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. working, and then checked out on the weekends, and then going from two weeks vacation to seven weeks vacation is working for me. And I've got another year or two of it, but then I know Misha's gonna start stuff, and I'm gonna wanna go to that game or that recital or things of that, so I'll adjust. But how do I unplug? Because I fucking love my kids. Thank you. Thank you. Monica asks, where is there inefficiency in our society, and how can we improve? Monica, (laughs) fucking kind of question is that? I mean, there's unlimited inefficiency. Monica, here's the way to actually answer it, and this is what I'm trying to do. I love this, by the way. Here's what I'm trying to do in figuring out how to answer this question. Anytime I am frustrated because something isn't happening as fast or as proper as I'd like, I find it to be inefficient. So, for example, 
I actively stand in front of you right now with a grooming cavity in my mouth. There's a cavity forming in my mouth. And it's pissing me off because I really need to go to the dentist. I'm not joking. I know everybody's like, what the fuck is he talking about? I, right now, know in the top left corner of my mouth that a cavity is forming. I'm starting to fundamentally slightly feel it. It's gonna fucking hurt in a couple of weeks when it fully goes to root canal phase, right? The reason there's an inefficiency is I'm so fucking busy that I can't get to my fucking dentist, right? And I haven't prioritized it mentally enough that the pain for a day is worth the time right now and I'm really upset about it. If there was an app like Uber that let me hit a button and a dentist could come to my office, I would do it right now. Monica, let's start that service together. We'll call it Tooth. But the joke of that all is I went into that rant is it's true. We prioritize other things over other things and if we can figure out where there's inefficiencies, there's a lot. The next time you're frustrated about being late or something's taking up too much time, realize, unlike 10 years ago and 15 years ago, when the internet started hitting its groove, when entrepreneurs like ourselves started to figure out how to fix this business, the infrastructure and scale wasn't there. Every business that failed in 94 to 99 is actually gonna succeed over the next 30 to 40 years once the infrastructure meets the mission. And so, it was too early for Uber couldn't have worked when we didn't have cell phones at scale and app culture and all these other variables, but it can today. So think about what the current technology can solve that has already been accepted as a non-solvable issue because it failed five to seven years ago. All right, Stefan asks, do you swear as much when you pitch clients or partners? You know, Stefan, this is a tough subject for me. <laughs> I used to have a lot of pride five years ago in the fact that I really only curse on stage, mainly because I grew up obsessed with Richard Pryor, right? And I've, been, I've psychoanalyzed this, because you know I curse a lot on stage and it's kind of weird, and there's people in this room who have no idea who I am who've been turned off by my language and can't hear all the other good stuff. So I've always psychoanalyzed it and I convinced myself that well at least I only curse on stage and I don't curse in real life and that was true in 2007, 8, 9. The problem is, and you can see where I'm going, you start getting into practice on stage and it starts slowly sweeping into your regular life. I don't curse anywhere close to by percentage as I do by stage, but I've cursed at a client here or there and in pitches. I'm very comfortable in who I am. I know what my objectives are. I know they're pure. As a matter of fact, I sometimes use my cursing as a filter to filter out people who are only willing to look at surface level who are not usually the kind of people I want to do business with in the first place. Scott Rodriguez says, you're really big about your word. What's the biggest personal sacrifice you had to make to keep your word? My selfishness. The worst thing about keeping your word is your short-term selfishness, right? Like, keeping your word costs you. I'm so fucking pissed, Scott, at all the scheduled things that I have at South By over the next two days, you cannot imagine. I literally woke up this morning, went to go take a poop, took my phone, looked at my schedule, and I said, holy shit, literally 80% of these meetings I do not want to take. There's too much going on. Why did I do this? And every part of my body was like, okay, I'm sick. Okay, wait, there's a big business emergency. Like, think about what I'm going to tell my assistant to say to these meetings that I want to cancel, right? And I'm like, I can't do that because I'm petrified. The only thing I care about is my legacy. 
I like money, but I've always been able to make money, right? I'm obsessed with my legacy. I'm obsessed that that young man with the Kansas City Chiefs hat that I met, when he goes back home and my name gets brought up, he's like, no, 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 he's actually, if it comes up like, oh, he thinks he's the fucking greatest. Actually, you know, he's a nice guy. Like, I walked with him to his talk, he was good. Like, I think about that on a one-to-one level every day of my life. So what I'm sacrificing is the short-term selfishness that I wanna do instead of what I'm doing or use that money in a different way or all these things. Long-term though, my biggest objective in life, my complete, North Star is to have as many people show up to my funeral as possible. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's what it is. Rebecca Donahue says, loved your newest book. Love you, Rebecca. <laughs> she didn't love you, she loved your book. That's me, bro. Oh, okay. <laughs> you clearly have never written a book, dick. <laughs> but, <laughs> does one bad tweet break a brand or is it more about the overall quality of content? Yeah, Rebecca, I think this is, the most, uh, this is the most interesting thing. I am dumbfounded by the lack of knowledge that no one tweet, no, guys, BP oil spilled all of the fucking oil in the world into the Gulf of Mexico, and you assholes still fill up your car with it, and so do I. There's a complete lack of understanding of what cripples an actual business. The fact that billion dollar fucking brands sit in a room scared that one tweet that wasn't so good, like, woe is me, we're gonna, I mean, you're not going out of business, idiot. So, you can see I'm excited about this issue. I believe intent trumps all. I believe intent trumps all. We're all gonna make a mistake. I actually believe that saying you're sorry in today's society when none of us actually want to say it is so powerful that sometimes I think about doing things wrong just so I could come out and say I'm sorry because I think it's an actual net net positive win for me. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a ludicrous conversation. Of course you're gonna make mistakes. That's what happens when 22-year-old interns are managing your social media. And you know, and that's what's gonna happen, and that's okay, and you have to go out and own it and say you're sorry. I promise you, all the brands that are worried about their tweets, they need to worry about their product. They've got bigger issues at hand than some random tweet when they got a piece of shit product. You guys like that one, huh? All right, I'm paying attention. All right, Molly asks, which Bitcoin panel are you most pumped about? <laughs> you know, do you know what kills me about Bitcoin? Is I wish that I was smart. If I was intellectually smart, not just emotionally smart, I would have made a fortune on Bitcoin. I just don't understand it whatsoever. All my friends, all my contemporaries are like, you know, Gary, they always start with like, all right, you know central banking, right? And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Because then they're talking for 20 minutes and I'm like thinking about the Jets defensive line because I don't know what the fuck, I know shit about central banking. And then of course I try to educate myself and I Google it and then I get bored by the second line. So no, I don't know anything about Bitcoin. I don't give a fuck about a Bitcoin panel. I bought some Bitcoin at the height of the market. I lost, I deserve it because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. The Daily Pursuit wants to know what is one sentence that inspires you every day? Legacy is greater than currency. I'm done. I, I went long pause for effect. <laughs> Daniel Ortiz asks, what is your prediction for the next big thing to come out of South by Southwest this year? 
So I think a lot of people think that I've predicted things. I've never predicted anything, right? Here's what I do. Vine came out June 30th last year. It came out. I knew it was already owned by Twitter. I knew that Jack, who has predicted things and made things that became the future, bought it, thus giving me context to pay attention to it. So for the first two weeks of February, from 11 p.m. at night when I got home till 2.30 in the morning because I was executing on being a good operator as a social media thinker, I used that product every day and tried to understand it. After actually using it, I figured out, okay, this platform has a shot. As somebody, as you guys know, broke out in the early days of YouTube, I saw some parallels, I understood it, and I went all in. Then I started talking about it, fast and furious. I didn't predict Vine, I just fast followed. I have no fucking idea what's gonna break out of South By, if anything's gonna break out of South By, what's the next big platform. Here's what I do know. The amount of people that talk shit about platforms that they don't use blows my mind. The amount of people that are like, Snapchat's fucking stupid. I'm like, do you use it? They're like, no. Then I'm like, shut your fucking mouth, right? Because if you don't use a product, how are you supposed to judge it? You may also not be the target audience even if you do use it. So I don't predict what's coming. What I pride myself in is if five million people use a product a week after it comes out, it's worth paying attention to. Like I spent my time on Jelly. I spent my time on Vine. I spent my time on Secret. You know, I, <laughs> I, you know, I'm spending my time on this stuff trying to use my filter to see if there's upside. I'm not predicting, I'm executing. Yeah. Wells Baum asked if there was one feature you could add to Snapchat, what would it be? I would like to do one to many, not in story form. You know, too many, like I actually send, when I send snaps to all my followers, I feel like a far bigger percentage doesn't go into the stories UI and just goes in their normal UI that they consume the snaps. So I literally take a picture sometimes and it takes me 60 to 90 minutes to hit all your fucking names one by one and it's really inefficient. One to many, non-stories. Cameron asks, asks, hey, ask Gary V. How has family life changed your business life? You know, Cam, you know, I grew up in an immigrant family where family is like so everything, and then I came into my family liquor store business, so I was all in on that. You know, my own personal family life has changed because, you know, it's weird. I was in provider mode from like 17, so it's not like, oh, now I have this responsibility. I felt that responsibility even when I came in. I felt like I had to pay my dad back for what him and my mom did for me. So I guess the biggest thing is that, you know, it's time allocation, it's work-life balance, it's figuring out what works. I'm sure the far majority of people in this room, to some level, even if it's a new boyfriend or girlfriend relationship, even if it's a best friend, even if it's to a parent, we all struggle with time allocation of what we're putting into what we're trying to build business-wise and our careers and what we're trying to do family-wise. The only thing I would ask all of you, I hate when people give advice on this issue because it is so one-to-one. You know, my wife is the most independent woman I know. That's the foundation to why I can hustle as much as I can because she's just, she loves me for what that is and she's very happy doing her jam and doesn't need me to provide the time, the emotions and all that, of course. But so, everybody's got different situations, right? And so, what I would tell you is the only thing I would give you advice is try to hack. Whatever you're doing now, next year just try some sort of other variable in it. If you keep evolving year after year, you've got a chance to coming up with a good formula. 
Eric Hubble asks, how'd you get Wine Library off the ground going and scaling? Well, I mean, Eric, Wine Library was first my dad's liquor store business called Shoppers Discount Liquors. It was a $3 million a year business that had had 4% gross profit, so it wasn't making a net profit, which wasn't making a lot of money. What I did with Wine Library was pretty interesting. It's the thing I still recommend a lot of people here. We didn't have a lot of money. WineLibrary.com launched in, in 1997. A lot of people were not really buying online at that point, and so what I did was I just got myself involved in the community. The same thing I did with Twitter and what I've later done with any community, what I did was I went to forums and I just became active in every single wine forum on the internet. The way to build a business when you have no money and get a user base is by becoming one of the users. But acting like one of the users instead of somebody who's pitching to one of the users. So I just had ultimate patience. I knew that 1997, 8, 9, 10, 01, 02, 03 was a prerequisite to what I was trying to build. So when I was in the forums, I wasn't trying to sell all these people more Chardonnay or Bordeaux. I was trying to become one of them. And by virtue, that set me up and the awareness of the brand. Broken Records, what is one thing you wish you knew when you started? Nothing. I'm fundamentally obsessed with the climb. I love climbing. I actually do not love the achievement. If I knew something before I started, it would have given me a quicker race to the achievement of the goal. I'm obsessed with, I love losing. Guys, I love being a Jets fan. It's easy, I love the pain. Everyone's like, sorry Gary Vee. I'm like, I'm sorry for you, bandwagon Lakers fan. Fuck you. <laughs> um, I love the journey, I love the climb, so for me, that question's funny because I wouldn't want to know. I like the pain, I like the mistakes, I like the grind, I like it. Sterling Doak wants to know, what do you think about retirement, not like today, but the concept? <laughs> retirement. Um, yeah, you know, I think, for me, I think we're all seeing this right now. I think. Work-life balance is a big conversation. I'm, I'm a workaholic, I'm a hustler, but I love the fact that people are finding balances that make them happy. I think everybody should do what makes them happy. There's plenty, listen, I have friends that are gonna sell a startup. I have a friend who sold a startup for like a million dollars, and after taxes, not a lot of money in the scheme of things. Incredible, I'm not undermining that. But he was a young guy, not necessarily in your, thir at 32, a million dollar exit with post-tax is not necessarily something you can retire on for the rest of your life. Unless you're my friend who decides to go to some crazy South Asian country I never heard of and smoke weed for the rest of his fucking life. <laughs> so, you know, I think retirement's different for everybody. The only thing I see in my future that doesn't look like building businesses until the day I die is spending an un ungodly amount of time at the racetrack. So, I will spend a good portion of my time at the ponies and betting on horses in my 90s, but other than that, I'm working. Marcus wants to know, beyond Angry Birds and Candy Crush, what's your take on the state of gaming apps and what's next? Gaming, and gaming is the hits business. Games are in the same exact business as movies and songs. It's a great business if you know how to make hits. If you're Steven Spielberg, you're gonna win. If you're not, you're gonna lose. So I think gaming's here to stay, it's growing, it's a foundation of how we live, gaming's always been there. You know, Hasbro and Mattel build big companies, we like games, we do it forever. 
people grew up playing video games their whole lives now, so in their 30s and 40s are still gamers. It's a great business. You just have to be great at it. It is completely predicated on being in the hits business. So if you're one of the best storytellers in that genre, you can win, but it is dramatically more competitive. It blows me away how many of my friends sit around brainstorming business ideas, and they're like, let's just build a game. That weird guy just had that fucking bird game. Let's just fucking do that. Are you out of your fucking mind? Like, like you have no idea about gaming. You don't, don't, you've never even hired an iOS developer. You have no idea about the psychology of gamers. You have no understanding of the current state of the union. We are living through the greatest generation of fake entrepreneurs in the history of our time right now. And, and that just means a lot of people are gonna lose a lot of money. And that's fine, because that's how it should be. Because I was a fake digital currency buyer and I deserved to lose. So I think it's a great space. I think there'll be lots of winners. I think a lot of people will make money. And I think a lot of people are gonna lose money because it's a little bit of a gold rush right now. Nicholas Alter asks, what shirt are you wearing right now under the Airbnb jacket? A plain gray t-shirt. <laughs> waiting. <laughs> Alex Cruz wants to know, what do you struggle with most when dealing with your employees and keeping them productive? I'm going to give a weird-ass answer. Um, the only thing I struggle with with my employees is to get them to believe me when I tell them it is in their best interest to play out their professional careers with me. Um, I have such disproportionate love for my employees um, out of not being such a great guy, out of selfishness. I love continuity. I love team. I love family. I am so ridiculously heartbroken when we have to let somebody go or somebody leaves that I still laugh at my, it's so, it's awesome and it, I understand how good it is for me, but it's insane how much it still affects me after all these years. Um, I don't think they believe me yet. We're a new company. I've only been running VaynerMedia day in and day out for two and a half years. You know, and I'm always scared that they think I'm building a cult or that I'm full of shit or they're cynical. And so every day, all I'm trying to do is figure out what actions can I take one by one with them to get them to buy in so that they do feel jamming with me for the next two, three, four decades is a good thing for both of us. And so if I can convince them that I genuinely want 49% of the relationship, and I'm willing to give them 51 of whatever the pure sense of the relationship is, and I just don't have the buy-in. I have a lot more. In 2014, I would say, out of the 300 employees at VaynerMedia, I think I've got 40 of them all in, which is insane, because last year was probably 11. So I'm happy, I'm making strides. Um, but it's fun for me as one keeps coming over to the side, and so I'm just trying, I'm struggling with the notion of how do I authentically break through their filter to make them realize how incredible this journey is about to be. Waywire Buzz says, Lady Gaga or Madonna? We're being very serious. So first off, everybody should know, I suck when it comes to music. Like, my skills when it comes to music are awful. Like, I don't know shit about music. So I'm trying to think about this. I would go with Madonna because she has a longer track, though the current Madonna freaks me the fuck out. 
Um, but I respect the long-term career and her evolution. You know, I talked about myself as somebody who likes to adjust. She fucking adjusts, right? Like, um, so that's where I'd go with at this point. We do have over eight minutes left, so keep tweeting. <laughs> Pete Dirksen asks, favorite restaurants in Austin? Pete, this is going to really make you sad. In the eight years that I've been here, I don't even think I know the name of one restaurant I've been to. It is insane of how, how little I pay attention to where and what I'm consuming when I'm at South By, echoing the theme that I've been giving you the whole time. I can remember who I had the dinner with and what we talked about, but I don't know what we were eating. And so I know a lot of people talk, like to talk about barbecue. I don't know if I give a shit about barbecue. As a matter of fact, I do. I don't give a shit about barbecue. Um, so, sorry, man. AJ Smith wants to know, what is your best advice or tangible advice to a young, 33, hungry financial advisor using your principles? You know, AJ, I would tell you that the tangible advice is, like, let me give you theoretical advice and intangible. Tangible is, you know, if you're a financial advisor, if you know exactly who you're, here's something everybody should really think about. If you know exactly what you want to be, you need to spend as much time with people that are actually that already. I have this insane concept of what MBAs should really be doing. Like the thought, like I've been thinking a lot about like, fuck man, like these business schools are getting $100,000, $200,000, putting these kids in debt and giving them nothing that's real in the actual business world versus the leverage of, the last 40 conversations I've had with a business school person is, yeah, you know, the content isn't really what I'm paying for, it's the relationships. I'm like, you could buy those relationships for less than 150. You're a bad fucking business person. <laughs> the, the, the advice I'd give you is, if there's a financial advisor that you wanna be like, literally stop making money right now and go spend a year with her or him and figure out everything that that person does. Take one step back to go 10 steps forward. That's what I would do, seriously. By the way, that's what I would do with every single person here. If you're a, a solid UI, UX designer that happens to also be a really good beatboxer and you think that there's another great UI, UX designer that you wanna be like, I would really debate taking one step back and literally going to work for her for a year for half of what you make now because the IP and the nuances, guys, all the basic shit has been figured out. Information is a commodity. Like, it's never been worse to be information smart than it is today. Like, remember 10, 15, 20, 40, 50 years ago when being smart about something mattered? What do you want to know? Everything you want to know is in your fucking hand on your phone informationally. I'm so pissed that my daughter is gonna go through a school system where they're gonna teach her information that she has to memorize for a few minutes for a test and then move on when that thing is in her fucking hand. So, we're living in a world where all the IQ value is shrinking by the second and all the EQ value is exponentially exploding as our reputations become more and more of what matters. And so I would tell you to go and spend time with the person you wanna be like. Two things are gonna happen. One, you, you might find out that you actually don't like that person very much and you're gonna, when you dig under the hood and figure out the nuances and that will help you figure out who you wanna be as a person. And two, you may find out that that's awesome and you want to replicate those actions to get there. John asks, what digital media skills do you think students need to be learning in schools today? <sighs> T 
taking action. You know, like a class, in schools today, they should be handling Twitter accounts for fake businesses. They should be producing content and making infographics for Pinterest. They should be buying ads on the Outbrain Exchange. They, they should be doing shit instead of memorizing shit. It's so obvious. I'm actually so pissed at this fucking crowd for not clapping more on that issue. <laughs> because it's so ridiculous. And by the way, that's what's going on in our organization. I think VaynerMedia has exploded really quickly because most of our 22 to 23 to 24 year olds come in and are given the keys to the cat. They have to do a ton of shit. There's no get me a coffee in our world. They're like fucking like go win. Like we need far more openness and much more entrepreneurial efforts in everything. We, we need to stop boxing people in. It blows my mind that this is America and most corporate companies treat their businesses like communism. They don't trust their employees, they don't let them do this, they don't let them do that. There's fucking 8,000 levels of process to eliminate that's doing fucking anything. So. Roy Lamana wants to know, how do you find great talent in terms of employees? Roy, hire at scale. See, this is where people are confused. I've seen every program, every thesis, every great HR person, every process, every test to find great employees and lots of them don't work out. Because once human dynamics happen, human dynamics happen. The, the game, guys, isn't, if you're thinking about hiring, the game isn't about hiring smarter, it's about firing faster. I'm being dead serious. Don't fucking laugh. You know, like, like if, there's not a, if it's not working out, you need to figure out how to take that person out of the equation. You need to do right by that person. One of the things I do, because this is my thesis, is I mentally think you're gonna get paid for six months, even though you may get fired for two months. Do you know what it looks like when you fire somebody in two months and give them a four-month exit package? That's what makes me feel good about firing fast. It's still more valuable. It's about firing fast. You just don't know. You just don't know. You do, sometimes it feels right, sometimes you have an interview and you're like, yes. I mean, I remember interviewing somebody and I was like, this woman is gonna change my business. Meant to be a very positive thing. That woman changed my fucking business in a very negative way and took me like six weeks to figure out how to get her out of there. And so, you just sometimes never know. And I feel like I have great EQ, great judgment of character, and I miss all the time too. It's not about how you hire, it's about how you fire. All right, and Amanda Davis will have our last question with, do you have any employees that work from home? Why or why not? I don't, and this is a controversial one. I hope Jason Fried's not here. Um, I don't because I'm selfish and I like team, and I wanna see them, and I wanna hug them, and I wanna see that they changed their hair color from pink to blue, and I wanna see their fucking face. And so I, I respect the value of why people think working from home is awesome. Uh, I don't think anything should be definitive. I understand why some people might want to go four days and one day, three and two, for me, in the way that I think I can be successful, not only for myself, but for that employee, I need to be in the same places as them. I need to see them, I need to feel it, I need to taste the energy in the room, I need to look them in their eye, look in their fucking ear, I need to look at them. And so I can't have that if they're at home, and that's, that's it. So for me it doesn't work, in my businesses, I get to be a dictator. You can be a dictator in yours if you don't like my fucking idea, and we'll see what works for who and how, but for me, no. 
All right, let's all give a thank you to Gary Vee. Hold on! Oh. First, I want to give you a thank you for giving me your attention. You had plenty of things you could have done. Second, I'd, I'd love to meet some of you one-on-one. -on -one. The best chance is going to be in the book signing. You don't have to buy a fucking book. I'm playing the long game. Come and say hello picture. Third, I know a lot of you have been to South By before. I'm definitely doing my secret wine party. The wine's here. I think I'm going to do it tonight. Follow it on Twitter. And fourth, I love you. Thank you. All right, episode's over. Please leave a review and subscribe up on Apple. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to me. Thank you very much. Hey, podcast. Joe from Team Gary here. Today's highlighted review is I Love You, Gary by Marissa2324. One of my favorite podcasts to listen to while I'm driving and doing things around the house. Love you always, Gary. I love you. Keep those reviews coming. We could highlight yours next.